0: Welcome to the Factel Forecast, a look at the week's biggest stories and what they mean from the editors at Factel. I'm Jimmy Levis. Today is January 6th, and in this week's forecast, we've got Iraq's new parliament holding its first session, Portugal lifting some of its coronavirus related restrictions, OSHA penalizing companies that fail to enforce coronavirus vaccine guidelines, officials from Russia and the U.S. meeting in Geneva, and an update on the unrest in Sudan. You can read about all these stories and more in our weekly newsletter, which you can find a link to in the show notes. Iraq's newly elected parliament will open session Sunday, that following October's contentious vote that saw a win by the movement of nationalist Shiite scholar and militia leader Muqtada al-Sadr. October's election was the first since the large protests in 2019, protests which were brutally suppressed by Iraqi authorities and paramilitary forces loyal to Iran. In turn, and indicative of Iraqi displeasure at the extent to which Tehran has embedded itself in Baghdad's affairs, voters delivered crushing blows to Iran-aligned political parties despite extremely low turnout. And with Iranian-backed factions disputing the electoral results, deadly clashes erupted in Baghdad. Now, Sadar strongly opposes all foreign interference in Iraq, be it from Iran or the United States. But despite commanding one of the insurgencies that helped make the U.S. occupation of Iraq so deadly, he is now viewed as being more anti-Iran. Iraqi lawmakers will now turn to appointing a president, who will in turn present a prime minister for parliament to approve, a process they hope to achieve by March, but that will face significant hurdles. On Monday, people in Portugal will be allowed to return to work and schools will reopen as the country eases tougher restrictions that were imposed after Christmas. This holiday season's restrictions were a bid to prevent a repeat of what the country saw the previous year when it chose not to impose restrictions and in turn saw its health system overwhelmed in January, with a sharp increase in coronavirus cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. This time, Prime Minister Antonio Costa announced a partial lockdown starting on December 26th closing schools, imposing tougher testing requirements, closing bars, and asking people to work remotely, if possible, until at least January 9th. Now, Portugal enjoys one of the world's highest vaccination rates at 88%, but the booster campaign has been somewhat slower. The government also decided to close vaccination centers on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and New Year so that health professionals could get some rest. Still, hospitalizations and deaths are significantly lower than last year. Finally, the government, which is currently trying to get re elected in this month's elections, signaled it will lift restrictions as planned, despite a continuing rise of cases and amid fears the country's economy wouldn't survive an extension. The U.S. Occupational Health and Safety Administration, also known as OSHA, will start penalizing companies that fail to enforce coronavirus vaccine guidelines beginning Monday. The vaccine mandate, which was issued in November, dictates that companies with 100 or more employees must require vaccines. Either that, or enforce weekly testing, face masks, and social distancing for workers who are not fully vaccinated. The guidelines include exceptions for medical conditions, religion, or disability, and offer alternatives to those working outdoors or from home. Employees will also be required to provide paid time off for vaccination appointments and potential side effects. Now, after a grace period of two months to allow big employers to prepare, the administration will start investigating companies that fail to fulfill the measures. Workplaces could face fines up to $136,000, depending on the scale of the violations. Companies in some states will also have to bear the costs of weekly testing for unvaccinated employees. The vaccine mandate is expected to cover about 84 million workers in the country. Officials from Russia and the United States are set to meet in Geneva on Monday for talks aimed at easing tensions. And though there is a laundry list of high-level issues to cover, it's expected the talks will focus on European security and ongoing tensions around Ukraine and nuclear arms control. Leaders from the two countries held a summit last June and followed up with a series of calls, the most recent one described as serious and substantive. However, neither leader will be in attendance for this round of talks, which will instead be led by Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabkov, and U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman. Now, Russia is hoping for security guarantees after failing to push the U.S. into a bilateral discussion on the future of NATO expansion. The United States, for its part, may attempt to secure a phased withdrawal of Russian troops from forward staging areas, and may pressure Russia for a new round of Ukraine talks. Talks which may be off to a promising start after Russia recently withdrew 10,000 troops staged near the frontier with Ukraine. My last item for this forecast is on the ongoing unrest in Sudan. For more on that, I recently spoke with Factual Editor Ahmed Namatala.
1: Hi, Ahmed. Hi, Jimmy.
0: Well, Ahmed, the last time we spoke about Sudan was back in uh, you know, late October after the military coup. Can you bring us up to speed on what's been happening? You know, what's the latest?
1: Well, I remember we ended that interview on a bleak note, and um, unfortunately, things have not gotten better. What's happened since then is that, oddly, the military reversed the coup and brought Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdulk back to office. That lasted for about six weeks. And just a few days ago, Mr. Hamdulk resigned. Now, during those six weeks, there was more turmoil. Protesters came out on the street again. This time... Uh, turned on Hamdulk because they felt like he was not doing enough to force the military out of power and put power in the hands of civilians, which has been the central demand all along. And now power is back in the hands of Abdel Fattah Burhan, who uh, has been pretty much the leader uh, since 2019 when mass protests ousted uh, President Omar Bashir.
0: Well, if General Burhan is running things now, I guess in Sudan, do we know if that's going to stay the same?
1: Is is he the future leader of the country? So it's unclear who's going to be who's going to be in charge. General Burhan is uh, trying to find allies. Oddly, the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, who had supported the coup in Egypt and uh, other anti democratic forces around the region. We're not quick to uh, provide him with the support that he probably thought he would get, specifically financial support. Um, and there, there is precedent for this. So, for example, when uh, his counterpart in Egypt, General Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, assumed power in 2013 through a massive and bloody crackdown, they were quick to support him with billions of dollars that uh, have kept him in power since this has not been the case in Sudan. And the fear now is that the general will resort to even more violence to maintain his hold on power.
0: How are Sudan's neighbors reacting to Hamdok's resignation? And you know, how has the
1: rest of the international community responded to it? So, Reaction, I think, I would describe as has been just timid so far. There's been no forceful statement for uh, the military to step aside, aside from the usual diplomatic uh, uh, statements from the US and the West, you know, siding with democratic principles and that civilians should, you know, lead Sudan moving forward. in the region, like I said, the UAE and Saudi Arabia have been uh, on the sidelines for the most part. Uh, even Egypt has not issued any sort of uh, statement one way or another. Uh, again, besides uh, the usual, you know, we're with the Sudanese people and whatever's best for them. So we just have to keep a close eye on General Burhan and whether uh, one side uh, or another decides to make concessions. Um, The military is very entrenched in its position and uh, in the power that it holds in every one of the country's institutions. Uh, On the other hand, you have protesters who are demanding nothing less than the complete removal of the military from every one of those institutions. So something has to give. And there's simply no dialogue right now. Uh, Just protests on the streets and military crackdown in response.
0: I guess my last question for you then is what should folks be watching for next?
1: So the Sudanese protest groups are uh, announcing new rounds of protests on a regular basis. They're not happening every day, but when they do announce protests, uh, usually, and that's when massive crowds will rally uh, around the capital Khartoum and its vicinity and Sudan in the east. So when those protests uh, do come out, they usually uh, confront security forces. And we've seen a clear trend uh, with security forces using more uh, violence, uh, uh, escalating the crackdown on protesters. Uh, That has led to the uh, deaths of at least uh, seven people in the latest round of protests. And that adds up to more than 50 uh, since the coup in October. So we just have to watch for the escalation of violence on the street and whether one side or another decides to make concessions or come to the table for negotiations. Otherwise, this uh, this is one of the world's poorest countries and it risks uh, sliding into even deeper chaos.
0: Surely something no one wants to see. Well, that's all we have time for today, but I appreciate your insight here, Ahmed. And I know you'll be keeping an eye out for important updates. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jimmy. Take care. Today's episode was produced with work from Factual editors Alex Moore, Jess Fino, Irene Viora, and David Wiley. Our interview featured editor Ahmed Namatala, and our music comes courtesy of Andrew Gospi. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Factual Forecast. We publish our forward-looking podcasts each Thursday to help you get a jump start on the week ahead. You can, of course, subscribe for free, and if you have feedback, suggestions, or events we've missed, drop us a note by emailing hello at factual.com.